Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Wow. Well, it's really fabulous, uh, Don, Monique, um, Williams, to have you um, joining us. I haven't talked to you like, I don't know, what's the last place? I mean, I, I'm remembering um, Toni Morrison's um, Bluest Eye. Uh, Bluest Eye. But yes. was that the last time we had a conversation? Uh, I think for us, because with Incrementalist, you talked to Cleavon. Yes, I did. Yeah. Right, right. Oh, well, man, it's been too long. Too long. And I'm so happy, you know, you check your email because you're like heck of famous. I mean, you're the not only directing this wonderful play, <laughs> Paradise at the Aurora, you're also the Associate Artistic Director. We are so happy you are here and oh. you from Oaktown and we got a Black Bottom too. Like, what? <laughs> like, we know this story because the we Black do. people are gone. Like, you know, you think about um, those streets down there in West Oakland. Um, yes. And, and you look at all the development, it looks just like Emeryville over there. Like, like, can't we even have an original look? Yeah. And, and then now they're moving out all the folks that are living in their, their vans and their cars and the tents have been gone. Yeah. And, and then they got sawdust all in the streets and, and then you see new development. I'm talking like around 25th street getting into wood. Wood is like the epicenter. Yes. And, 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 you know, we got our wonderful train station there, the Amtrak station, which I don't know when they plan on developing that. I thought that was going to be like interpretive museum, like forever ago, like, because <laughs> the plans have already been made mm -hmm. and, you know, there's plays and movies and books about the place. I remember, I remember taking the train from there, going to LA to visit my mother with my kids. Oh, wow. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, it, it's got such, uh, such history and so much energy. Um, you know, you've got Stephanie, Dr. Stephanie Johnson, who's oh on your lighting. She yes. wrote a play about that for the Oakland Theater Project, which was awesome. And we were sitting there and there's the train station and here's the play, you know, it was back during, you know, the COVID era where, you know, nobody was doing anything indoors, yeah. but now people are doing indoor stuff. But I'm so happy you all are streaming Paradise. Yes. For people who can't get into the theater, you know, we can't do indoor like myself. So anyway, I've just been rambling. Um, <laughs> I <wanted> to, <laughs> yeah, I'm just so excited. Oh, oh I'm yeah. happy to be here with you. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so, okay. So you're artistic director of the Aurora Theater and, and, and you've also directed, you know, plays there. And so you've been there, um, how long have you been at the Aurora? Since 2019? 2019, yeah. Started yeah, just yeah. six months before the pandemic hit. Right, right. And 2019 is a, such a pivotal year for Black people because, you know, that's the 400 year anniversary of of, of, um, of enslavement of our, our people, particularly those coming from, you know, Angola, that part of, yeah. of, uh, of Africa, you know, because slavery began in California a little sooner than that, <laughs> you know, because they sort of like went around in the ocean and then they dropped us off here, those Spaniards, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and those Portuguese, you know, yes. um, and those English, you know, and then we've got, <laughs> we've got Dana King's, you know, 350 ancestors holding space for us at the, um, in the Concourse right across from the De Young Museum. So if you want to like pay homage to our ancestors, go see those 350 ancestors who are coming in female form with their beautiful spiky curly hair, you know, like, ooh, looking nice. And they are surrounding the plant where Sir Francis Scott Keys was toppled, like we getting rid of that, that criminal. And then you look across the concourse at the Speckles music um, stage, um, 
And, and it says, lift every voice. Yeah. yeah. And that's what's happening in this wonderful play, Paradise. Because, you know, Black folks, we love our paradises, you know? Yes. We yeah. love our paradises. We always get moved around. Like, we can't have a paradise. Somebody's always coming to take it away from us. Absolutely. So tell us what you've been directing. What does it mean to be an artistic director? And tell us about this wonderful play, which is the first in the trilogy. Yes. So, um, so yeah, I'm the associate artistic director at Aurora Theater. Um, and that means that I work um, in deep collaboration and partnership with the artistic director and season selection and casting and um, and, and I sort of manage all of our artistic programs, community partnerships and student um, matinees and services to um, to student groups. So that's sort of the administrative aspect of my job. But um, but truly what I'm most passionate about is um, being a director um, and sort of um, guiding, leading um, a creative process, uh, both interpretive and generative. And I have the really good fortune right now to be working on Dominique Morisot's Paradise Bloom. Like you said, it is the first play in her Detroit Project trilogy. Yes, um, it's set in 1949, Paradise Valley, Detroit's uh, sort of neighboring the Detroit's Black Bottom neighborhood. Um, and, and, you know, so it, it, it truly is a play about the impacts of gentrification, uh, urban renewal, urban development. Um, and so Dominique is exploring what it means for this proprietor of a club, Blue, who's a gifted trumpeter, uh, what it means for him to um, consider making a deal with the city and selling his club and what the repercussions of a choice like that will mean for um, his family, the, the guys who plan his band, his community, because he sort of got the top spot. And if he sells, then presumably other, other club owners will sell. Now, Dominique is from Detroit. She writes about Detroit with such pride so these places and people that she's crafted are really real to her. And they're, they're, this, the story, while fictional, is really sort of based in the reality that in 1949, a Republican mayor, Kobo, took over in Detroit and he really ran on a platform of urban development. Um, and he was really pro-segregation. So he really wanted to keep... Um, Blacks relegated to particular neighborhoods and um, and he pushed these measures. And so we see by the late 1950s, Paradise Valley um, is really decimated and a freeway, highway, maybe that's what they call it in Michigan, is put in, um, dividing then what was a thriving uh, Black neighborhood um, right through the middle and decimating that area. Um, and then Dominique goes on to write Detroit 67, which Aurora produced in 2018, and then Skeleton Crew, which Marin Theater Company produced um, some years back. So um, so for folks who are Dominique Morisot fans, we'll be like completing the trilogy here locally in the Bay Area. Uh, Dominique also wrote the book for Ain't Too Proud, which is the Broadway musical that started at Berkeley Rep, and then the, the Broadway tour just came back through town. Dominique's working on the Soul Train musical, which ACT is doing later in their season. 
I mean, she is a prolific writer and she's also just real. She's down to earth. She's really real. She speaks truth to power. Um, to, uh, my perception of her is that she is unafraid. And, um, and I feel like you see that in her work. Um, and in particular, there's two female characters in Paradise Blue um, that she renders with such complexity and nuance. Um, and she pays homage to uh, Georgia Douglas Johnson, the Harlem Renaissance era uh, poet and playwright um, who created her own sort of paradise in DC's uh, Black Broadway area. Um, so Dominique is, is really up to something special, I think, in her work. And it's yeah. been a gift to work on this yeah. one. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think she is phenomenal. And when I was reading, um, I think in her dedication, you know, to, she dedicated, um, you know, Pearl Cleage, um, you know, who um, is not Detroit. She's, <laughs> she's Georgia, <laughs> right outside of Atlanta, I believe. And she doesn't um, fly. I think she and her husband take the train where they go or they, yeah. or they drive. And I think that's pretty cool too. Um, and she's the one, Pearl Cleach is the one who did that wonderful, she wrote that wonderful play um, honoring all of our, uh, you know, African-American women artists who, um, who've done so much for our community because just since, as this is play Paradise, you know, the speakers, you know, is being, you know, Blue is a trumpet player. And you think about that instrument, the trumpet, and you think about all of, all of, the trumpet players in, 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 in the canon that is, you know, American literature and specifically that literature that tells our story, you know, we gotta, it's gotta sing. Yes. You know, like, you know, like I just love Pumpkin, the character who hums and Blue hears her voice in the humming. Nobody else hears it, but he hears <laughs> it. And um, he, you know, he says, oh, you know, like, he wants to feature her, you know, as, as an artist. And, and it's so interesting, you know, he hears her, but then he doesn't hear her, which is really interesting. And then I really like Cornelius Corn. And we think about, you know, our people wearing shoes that don't fit well and how we have those corns and those bunions because yes. our feet are hurting, you yes. know? And you think about when you go to, you know, going to church, which is another one of our our spaces as people of African descent and how, you know, you got those women all dressed up and as soon as they get home, they take off them shoes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was like Sunday shoes for a reason. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And then, and then we got, um, you know, we got the brother, um, uh, his, um, he uh, Sam. Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Percussion yeah. Sam. Right. And you know, that's the heartbeat, right? You yes. know, and then and then they're missing the bass, which is the heart. Like, wow, the heart quits. Like, what? I mean, like yeah. you start out with all this wonderful, wonderful metaphors and the energy, because that particular space, paradise, and those people, that's that's our community, yeah. you know. And then you same similarly, you know, you think about August Wilson and his 10, you know, 10 yes. plays, canon. You know, sister does it in three. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, okay, fast forward it. Let's, and it's not even like, I was just reading, it's like, this is not even a super long play. 
Um, but it's so dense. It's very so talk dense. To us about these characters and who are the actors? Who are they coming in? <laughs> yes. So you'll get a kick out of this, Wanda. Um, Corn is played by Michael James Asbury, who was in Cleavon's play, who was um, the incrementalist. He did uh, the Bluest Eye audio play. He also was just in the production of Lear that Eric Ting and I co-directed over at Cal Shakes. I wanted to commend you on that. That was such a wonderful play. Oh, Marcus Garley, you know, he is like, he's like our sister here. He's like telling these stories, you know, these these classic stories because they 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 speak to the human condition. Yeah. Well, where's our, you know, how what's our take on it? Yeah. And he does it like. Yeah. Oh my God, you did such a good job. That was and, so beautiful. And Marcus, I mean, talk about August Wilson and Dominique Morso. Marcus is always shouting out Oakland and the Bay. Yeah. And, you know, he's from Oakland. I'm from Oak. You know, I just have such a connection to Marcus's work because the, for me, those are the stories um, of home. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, so Michael is one of my dearest collaborators. So, of course, we're on this journey again together. He's playing corn. Um, Anna Sharp, who was also in The Incrementalist, is playing pumpkin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rolanda D. Bell is playing silver. This is my first time working with Rolanda, um, but she did like Passing Strange, a shotgun. She's done a lot of things at the Oakland Theater Project. Uh, she's tremendous, uh, just a tremendous young talent and is such a gift um, for me to get to work with her. Uh, Titus Van Hook is playing Blue. Also my first time working with Titus, another tremendous young talent that we have here in the Bay. Mm-hmm. And then Kenny Scott, who also was in that production of Lear, um, is playing P-Sam. And mm-hmm. Kenny and Michael and I, we just did two trains running over at, over at Marin. So um, they, they're probably getting <laughs> sick of me. <laughs> Um, but, but we, the cast is fire, Miss Wanda. I mean, the cast is really amazing. And, you know, I, I, I love actors. Actors are like my, my primary collaborators, but I have to say that in the midst of this pandemic and, and kind of relearning what it means to make theater and create space, being able to work with black casts on these black authored plays has meant so much to me to get to build community coming off of such a long period of isolation. Um, And, and for most of us in working on Paradise Blue, the cast and myself, you know, everybody is from the Bay born here. Uh, Kenny, Kenny was sort of raised more on the East coast, but his grandparents are here. He was born here. So we're all Bay natives. And so we're sharing these stories for ourselves about what it means to grow up in Oakland and to see Oakland change, to see how the Bay has changed. Um, and the parallels with Dominique's play that we're experiencing right here in our own uh, home. And, you know, for Michael to be like the elder among us, and then I'm sort of in the middle, and then some of the cast are are younger, to also have that kind of intergenerational, multi-generational perspective where mm-hmm. I'm always clowning, where I'm like, what is old Oakland? I can't stand when people say old Oakland. What is old <laughs> Oakland? And I'm always like, what is Timiscal? Timiscal is the lake. You live in Oakland. You don't live in Timiscal. 
Like, why does everybody want to distance themselves from Oakland? It's Oakland. You live in Oakland. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, you know, so we just have these different perspectives of how our own community has changed um, over the last 50, 100 years. And this play, um, while set in Detroit or like Two Trains Running was set in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. you, like you said in your opening, you really can see the connections, how this is a perpetual theme for black folk um and truly it i mean land land grab is like such an american story like the displacement of peoples Mm -hmm. is such a is such an american story and anybody who spent time as the ethnic minority has experienced that encroaching majority on their neighborhood shutting down their businesses closing up their shops and for people who were able to assimilate more into whiteness, you know, so mm-hmm. for people who, you know, Italians and Irish who were able to like assimilate, maybe then they could reclaim some of that uh, land or generational wealth. But for other people, Black, Asian people, Indigenous people who, who couldn't assimilate, um, didn't have that same proximity to whiteness, we're still really in that struggle to kind of define our communities and have our sacred spaces, have our paradises. Um, And it keeps, it keeps being tossed up, tossed up. And, you know, it's something I, I, I I said in like a newspaper article is, um, is that, that urban blight is a line in the play, right? The mayor wants to rid the city of urban blight, but, but urban blight is the consequence of urban renewal, not the reason for urban renewal. Like the Mm -hmm. urban blight comes as a result of displacing people, of of stripping communities of resources. Um, That's how we end up with urban blight. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, America's one of the wealthiest countries in the world. There is no real reason that we have, that we should have the houselessness problem that we do. So Mm -hmm. that, you know, we have enough wealth for no person to be homeless. It's the distribution of wealth that we um, don't want to talk about or <laughs> like that's really where the where the issue is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true, so true. And I just wanted to mention, um, and you mentioned with Marcus Gardley, uh, you know, his, the Bay Area, Oakland in particular, but in, in the case of uh, his um, recent piece that um, was here, King Lear, it's it's a distribution of wealth, um, you know, in the Lear family, which covered San Francisco, um, Oakland, um, the Bay Area, mm-hmm. and and he's um, as an elder is looking at, you know, his legacy and um, and his heirs yes. while they're alive, and um, who's gonna kiss my butt? You know, <laughs> they they will get benefits. <laughs> um love love really love the um the cast and the music and Marcus Shelby, you know, his work there. I mean, it's just um gosh, it was just so, so, so lovely. Um yes. Yeah. But then I was just thinking about that, you know, again, um gentrification, you know, um, you know, trying to like rob uh, you know, our people of their wealth. And sometimes the wealth isn't monetized the wealth is the culture the culture the culture is always the wealth for us 
and we see how it's been appropriated over and over and over again. And um, and and I was just thinking about another paradise uh, story that I really enjoyed that was based on a true story. Um, it was called Paradise Square, and it was at uh, Berkeley Rep. Berkeley Rep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And in that particular piece, again, you know, you had these communities <laughs> of, of people that um, were actually, you know, it was, you know, uh, it was a community where the black people and the other people, yeah. um, were not people of African descent, got along really well. And and then um, I'm trying to think. I think the war happened. And black people couldn't fight in the war because of segregation and discrimination. And so then, so then there had to be a scapegoat, and yeah. uh, and there was a polarization, and you know, and a lot of uprisings and and just wiping out com- communities yep. as if they never existed. And it's just so something, you know, something like with you think about Detroit. Now Detroit is a city that you know, it's not going to die no matter how close to, like you still feel a pulse or even if you don't, the, some, something comes, someone comes in and, and, and takes those things they do, you know, and they, you know, like, and the heart starts back up. Yes. So, cause I mean, Detroit is like, okay, we're going to take out all the industry. It doesn't die. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna take out all of the infrastructure. So there's no water and no electricity. It's just a dead zone and it doesn't die. We're gonna like, I mean, like, what is this? I mean, it reminds me of the indigenous people, you know, we're talking about language and how certain indigenous communities, no one speaks the language. But if one person speaks the language, the language can come back. Yes. And and so it sort of reminds me like an analogy, like we're not going nowhere. No. Nowhere. No. Nowhere. <laughs> no. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. This um you know, these stories, you know, that uh, Dominique tells and, and tell us about like, did, did you confer with her um, around, around this production and, and her last name? Um, tell Marceau. us, like, Marceau, which is, I think, French, because I don't know how to say it. Yeah, she's, um, <laughs> Dominique is of Haitian ancestry. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I did not um, confer with her um, at all since this product since this play has had many many productions um and she's very busy <laughs> with other projects and you know she also writes for for tv and and film um but i have met dominique in the past um uh and and i've of course listened to many 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 interviews with her uh and so i know um, that her Haitian ancestry is like a huge point of pride for her. Um, and I think everything you just said about Detroit can't be stopped. I think that's part of like her mission uh, and why she feels so that is so important to like um, tell Detroit stories and shine a light on Detroit, because th- like you said, the culture is our wealth. Um, and it's so easy to reduce people to like a single narrative and um and she's really pushing back against that. I mean even with Paradise Blue where yet yeah, urban renewal or urban development that's all the backdrop for the play when you're when you're sitting there you're with these characters it's really character driven it's really mm-hmm. about their interpersonal connections right like this mayor is not 
a character that comes in the play. Um, it's really about their day-to-day um, sort of fight for survival and how they're going to continue to feed themselves and be connected to their culture. P. Sam has this beautiful um, speech about how uh, Paradise Valley is the only place where he can be a percussion man before being colored. That's a, the line in the script. Mm-hmm. And, and he compares it to, you know, like trying to be a musician in Harlem at the same time where you had to carry a cabaret card, mm-hmm. like you had to be papered um, to be legitimized. And, and so I think that that's, you know, one of the rich textures that Dominique is bringing into the work too, that like to an individual, um, so much was happening in the community. Um, you know, Pumpkin is a great example. You talked about Blue. Blue can can hear her voice. He calls her songbird. She doesn't think of herself as a singer, um, but she she just has a voracious appetite for poetry, for words, for language. Um, so so this idea that that you know, uh, in people in a certain neighborhood are just poor, or low class, or uneducated, all this. And here he gives us, uh, uh, Dominique gives us this wide range of characters who are college educated. We have a character who's from Louisiana, so we get a character that's on that migration, that's part of that migration north, and we see what that means. We have these musicians. Um, who have traveled and intimate a little bit about, about, you know, this idea of the green book. Like it's not a phrase that Dominique uses, but it's intimated that like, mm-hmm. that like it, it, the challenges of being a musician at this time, but you also see community and you see love and there's romance and sweetness and tenderness is, is such a beautiful play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking, um, I haven't finished the play. Um, but I was just thinking of um, pumpkin and uh, and blue, and um, <clears throat> and and how she reminded me of Rose in Princes mm-hmm. because because he says that you know he really needs her, um, uh, you know to to be able to help him because he he inherited this this particular. Um, club yes it's, it's, it's like it's like an institution it's not just yes. a club. It's, it's an institution and so he, all these ancestors they come with the package like they didn't like just you know like they're not silent ancestors they oh, speak no. they're like hecka noisy and he's like he he's a really angry man <laughs> and and I just think about the simmering violence you know the violence of racism you know the violence of you know, of, of, of whiteness and all of the different stratifications that happens, you know, to a person of African descent when you're just trying to be free. Yes. But you got to like leap over all these, even when you own the property, that's yes. being valued by these people that don't want you, but they want your stuff so then they can get rid of you. Um, yeah, he's just really angry. And so she says, well, what about me? And, and, uh, and he grabs her, you know, and he's hurting her. And I'm like, well, dang, like, can't we have love without violence? You know, like, yes. like, you know, and I it's mean, a, like, it, it's a great question in the play. Can't, can, mm-hmm. can we, can't, you know, like, where do we learn that and how can we unlearn it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. We, we got, we got a woman that walks. Does she walk like a spider? No, she doesn't walk like a spider. They say but, she has a mean walk. <laughs> and, then, and then her name is silver, right? Like silver. Yeah. You think about 
lightning, you know, you think about, you know, Sean Go, you think about the lightning, right? It's silver across the sky. And what does it do? If it hits the ground, you're burned up like you are yeah. toast, like seriously toast. And, and she's mysterious and she got money. And who is this woman? And she know how to work her stuff. And she's from Louisiana. I'm from New Orleans. <laughs> so I understand, you know, that magic and that medicine. You know, sometimes yes. people use the medicine in good ways. Some people use the medicine because, you know, it's medicine is poison if you don't use it right, right? So, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is amazing, amazing. And and I want you to um, maybe talk a little bit more about the poetry and the music of, of the work because it really sings to us. But I was just thinking about this wonderful poem, you know, we first meet, we first meet Pumpkin. She's like cleaning up the place and reading the poem. I'm like, she reminds me of Baldwin who was like reading a book and taking care of his siblings. Yes. <laughs> but he but he took better care of the book because he cared about that more than babysitting. But she's like trying to give him equal time. And she's like reading a book and she doesn't clean them like what? And she writes, uh, she reads, um, Reading, reciting aloud, um, the heart of a woman goes forth with the dawn as a lone bird soft winging so restlessly on. Afar over life's turrets and vows does it roam. In the wake of those echoes, the heart calls home. And I was just thinking about home and these birds and then not, you know, in parenthetical cages, <laughs> you know, beaks, you know, taped shut. Um, and the whole notion of like, is there a place we can belong and sing like and be free and fly and not be harmed? Like, does that place exist? And then I thought about Maya Angelou, the heart of a woman. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I wrote a note for for the program uh, for this that, you know, pick that look that uses that poem that Dominique puts in the play. I'm assuming for a good and intentional reason um, and how we get this embodiment from pumpkin and silver, you know, cause there's the, 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 the first stanza is the heart of the woman goes forth with the dawn. And then the second stanza starts the heart of a woman falls back with the night. And so, and so this um, dichotomy of going forth and falling back and, um, and the, the, the pros and cons of each, right? Like, the idea of, of the desire in moving forward and and uh, pro progression and momentum, but also falling back. And, and it's interesting, right, that it's then the, the bird, because it makes me think of the Sankofa bird, right, that, yes, that we have to yes. go back and get it, that in order to move forward, there are things from the past that we must bring with us. I love that you said the ancestors are loud. You know, it's it's that. It's that tension of what are the things we need to go back and get in order to move forward. Um these women are so these these women characters are really really amazing and even though the male characters outnumber them, I feel like and maybe because I'm a woman, I feel like Dominique was doing something really special with the women, with the tension between the two women, how they seem at the start of the play to be at these extremes, right? The go along gal, pumpkin, and then this like mysterious woman on her lonesome silver. But but as they as their lives touch, you actually start to see where there's a transference where one instructs the other where one sort of um 
learns about self-protection or setting boundaries and the other like learns and softness and an appreciation for poetry and to let a little love in. So, um, so it's, it's really beautiful how this poem sort of sets us up and it becomes this metaphor for the play. And then these two female characters really then embody this idea of going forth, falling back the heart of a woman, the bird as the heart of the woman going forth, falling back. And mm-hmm. not, yeah. It's oh, tremendous. Wow. Yeah, thanks so much for bringing in the Sankofa bird. Yeah, I, it, it never, I mean, it's so funny. I got Sankofa right here hanging on my wall. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if my, my camera would have worked well, you would have, it would have been in the picture. <laughs> but yeah, that's so true, so true. Yeah. And, and for our people in this, in this particular um, geography, you know, where we find ourselves, America, North America, um, United States, that, is a, is a culture of erasure. Like, mm-hmm. just forget it, like get over it. History, what? You know, yeah. it's like, what is it? You know, in 1984, you know, there was the ministry uh, that all it did was rewrite things and and, and get rid of all of the, um, the artifacts and the library. So then there was no proof that what you said ever existed. And then once the people die, there is no history. There's no no one else saying these things anymore. And so the whole idea of Sankofa, we really do have to remember because if gentrification is the way that this nation rolls with us and, and we really, the belonging is something we can't necessarily hang on to a place as a people. Like, can you name any places in this country that have been around, you know, since... Emancipation Proclamation became a, a law. No, you know, like we can't even we can't even hold on to a grave site. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, so it's like so for us, you know, how how do we ever belong? Is a question, you know. And then and then, um, you know, with Blue, you know, he's got a lot of pain, and and he Pumpkin talk about that pain, you know, like if we focused on it, we could all find that pain. Yes. You know, cause it lives in all of our, our, our stories as a people, yes. you know? And I'm not just talking black people. I'm talking people that have other homelands, have stories, you know, have, but for us, goodness gracious, we just, just leave us be. <laughs> just leave us be. And it's Ooh. like, it's like, it's like, you know, having a, you know, some kind of a, you know, I, I, we're always being attacked because we are, we are the richest thing that ever happened to this, this particular geography. We are the richest thing that ever happened to the world. I mean, we, we the ones, you know, I mean, you think about the musical form, you think about jazz that's at the center of this story. Yes. Talk about that. Like we just keep on creating and keep on creating. You can't shut it down. That's how, that's how we process through our art. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you did ask about the music. And I want to shout out um, that Gregory Robinson, also Oakland, <laughs> he did um, he did some original composition for this play um, and and he produced um, a lot of. So he did the original composition and he produced his own original composition and he brought in trumpeter Geechee Taylor, who I went to high school Ooh. with. <laughs> Yes. Oh, wow. and I graduated high school together, Berkeley High, class of 1996. Um, 
and Geechee recorded the the trumpet parts for us mm. um and so i feel so honored to have gregory um as as one of my elders and like a, just like a vanguard in the community um be a part of this project and then um sound designer cliff crothers who also did detroit 67 at Aurora um, brings in, you know, other textures of some of the other music there. So you'll you'll hear like some Miles. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some um, Charlie Parker, you know, things that are mentioned in the script. Uh, Cliff bring brings in as well. So you get a combination of of period period music as well as some original composition um, mm-hmm. and you know the the idea is that the that the musicians play bop which in the 40s was uh was a new style of style of jazz mm-hmm. um and uh, again we invented every style of jazz <laughs> jazz yeah. is a unique american musical form created by um people of the african diaspora here in this country mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. And you just think about, you know, paradise and then you think paradise is blue, right? Paradise is blues. And you think about all all the musical forms come back to the um uh the Negro spiritual, you know, that storytelling, which was also connected to the quilts. Yes. You know, which where our maps were in the art. You know, like how do you get how do you get to freedom? It wasn't like how to get home, because home was wherever we are, but how do you get to freedom? You just follow this map in the sky. Yeah. And and the maps were in the different patterns in the quilt. Yeah. And and then you think about um, you know, that art form, you know, creative black music. And someone once said, and I saw it in a movie, and I don't know, I can't find the movie, but it was about how that form, which people call jazz, um, it's uh it's like the story of our people. You know, it's like literally the story of our people. If you just look at the music and how it's developed all the way up to today, yes. whatever the form looks like, you know, whether it's hip hop or what, um, it's the story of our people. And it's going to continue because we're still here. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. But this, um, wow, Gregory Robinson, because I was reading how um, that particular part of the work is is whatever the company who's producing it wants to do with it like either yes. you can get the rights to whatever or you can do your own thing and i'm so happy you all are doing your own thing yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it really makes it unique wow wow yeah and um this really connects well with the rest of the season too did you do you curate that the season um so josh costello the artistic director he's sort of like the the like bottom line or final say, but we work in deep collaboration, reading plays, discussing plays, other staff kind of chime in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then typically the show that that I end up directing is one that I've advocated for, but other shows uh, make it in the season that I've championed as well that I'm not necessarily um, directing. So, mm-hmm. um, so I play a big role in in what the season is. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, because I noticed, I saw a play about a hurricane coming up. Yes, Hurricane Diane. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, That's a, that is a wild comedy um, 
that is it, through through comedy is talking about the climate change crisis, but through this sort of real housewives style comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think about Diane. Is Diane one of those Greek goddesses? Yes. Yeah, yes. that's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's just so funny, you know, once once you've sort of been around a minute, you kind of like know these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um in our in our closing moments, tell us who would, you know, would really enjoy um you know, paradise. And then also tell us about some of the um, audience engagement that's that's planned. Um, and then I know um, the play opens for previews on the 27th, which is really awesome. And it has a nice long run. Um, it's what the 27th through? The, the 26th of February. So a full month run Okay. with the 27th starting previews. Our official opening is February 2nd. And then it will run through the end of February. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are a fan of Dominique Morisot, check it out. If you saw Detroit 67 at Aurora, come through and see the play that that precedes it. If you're a fan of August Wilson, I think that you'll really love this play. If you're from Detroit, <laughs> yes. come yes. see the show and tell and tell me if us Bay Area natives. <laughs> got it right um uh we do for the first time ever in aurora's history we are hosting a um an affinity night for people of the african diaspora that's on friday february 10th there will be a pre-show um reception uh where there will be small small bites provided we'll have some young people from youth speaks um, we will have a, a, a bookstore there that will, you know, have some 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 books available and some information available. And then again, there will be a post show um, discussion that evening again with youth youth speaks. Um, and then we have four other nights that will have post show discussions um, with the cast, myself, or um, or our cultural um, consultant. And those are following the performance on the 3rd of February. That's a Friday night. Uh, Tuesday, the 7th of February. Um, Wednesday, the 13th of February. And then whatever the following Thursday is. So each week we have a show that has a post-show discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, And the really big, big thing is the, the... affinity night for people of the African diaspora. All are welcome, all are welcome to that. Um, but Aurora is really trying to trying to see how we can create affinity space. So we have a, we, there is a discount code available for that night. Also previews or pay what you wish or are able. Um, and we're running some different promotions right now. And word on the street is we have some tickets on Gold Star too. I'm, I don't, I don't track that as much. Um, but then we like to always uh, cook up a, a, a special code for you, Miss Wanda. So we'll see. I'll ask them to get us a, a Wanda code that you can share with your, um, with your listeners, uh, viewers um as well so we'll so I'll get that to you but oh that'd be so awesome awesome yeah yeah um I just love the idea of an affinity night that's I hope that I hope that's something that continues we do too nice 
we did one with our last production. Um, we did um, Asian American, you know, Pacific Islander Affinity Night. It was really yeah. successful. Mm-hmm. So we're we're gonna try and continue the theme of Affinity Nights with each show, and they'll and they'll vary. They won't always be race based. So we'll try and have like a, a queer Affinity Night. You know, we're gonna just try different things out to see um, to see what works. What jails for people um but i'm really proud of us for for trying this black affinity night uh mm-hmm. i think it's i think it's important yeah yeah because i think um this year um you know through asala carter g woodson's organization that the theme for this february is um <clears throat> black resistance and i think i think paradise fits in really well because um you know we gotta we gotta resist you know the forces that want to um uh to evaporate or or dismobile our paradise yes. you know like paradise is a given like all of us you know it's in the constitution they don't call it paradise but you know those things that are are guarantees if you have those things you have paradise yes and you don't have to die and go anywhere yes <laughs> yes yeah. yeah so wow this is so wonderful um and uh you know the whole idea of an affinity night which means that we want you this invitation, you know, you know, you think about these, these, these spaces like theater um, spaces, and you think about museum spaces, and you think about concert hall spaces. And even if, you know, like, um, you know, P. Sam says, you know, you're the one on the stage, your people aren't in the audience, you know, to date, <laughs> you know, to date, yeah. you know, way past, you know, the cabaret card, you know, 2023, you look in the audience, who's there? And yeah. so when you have an affinity night for our people specifically, um, who don't make up the majority of the uh, audience in this area, I mean, you know, New York is different. I don't know what New York looks like now, but you know, there are places yeah. where we are the we are the audience. Yes. But not everywhere. Not and so everywhere. I think I think that's, you know, it's also economically sound to have affinity nights because then you get people into the space and it's like, oh. These are my people. Yes. And it's so nourishing for the cast. Um, I don't know that, that, that people know, but, but it's, it takes a toll on, on those black actors, those black bodies to go out there night after night and try and tell these stories Mm -hmm. um, from, from a place of truth and vulnerability and integrity. And it's just a sea of white faces and 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 maybe the resonances aren't um, aren't the same or aren't always there. Um, so Dr. Stephanie, as you mentioned, who's doing the lights, I it's just so great having her on part of the creative team because she's the best audience ever because she responds like vocally as we're working, you know. And it's just like I <laughs> wish we could have an audience of Stephanie's every single show. So mm-hmm. um, so even if people can't make it on the on the Black Affinity Night, any night that we can just have our folk with us in the audience mm-hmm. is like a bomb to the actors who sometimes mm-hmm. feel um, feel the the challenge of of telling these these kinds of stories mm-hmm. uh, night after night for white audiences exclusively. Right. Yeah, yeah, and I just think about you know um, you know Dominique and I I. I I'm intentionally not saying her name because <laughs> I can't hold it in my mind, you know, from after you say it, unless you, I say it right away. Tell us how you say her last name. Monique Morso. 
more so more so yeah yeah and and you know think about the haitian revolution right (laughs) and and all those generals and you know and the and the the medicine woman you know you know they were you know the women were there too you know in those mountains calling it down and they were calling on those those female ancestors and female spirits that's how haiti became a free nation and and i and i think and i'm just you know and i think i'm correct because i feel it I think she's telling our stories because we are the audience. Like, I think we are the audience for these works. And so, you know, people, like you say, should definitely feel invited, like own it, own it. This is your story, own it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm so happy you are where you are in a position of leadership and power. Like, yeah. Thank you very so nice. much. <laughs> very, very, very nice. Very nice. Really, really appreciate it. And thank you so much for fitting it in your schedule to come talk to the folks about what's happening at the Aurora (laughs) and look forward to other conversations. And when people, you know, go to the, um, uh, to the, to the, uh, see the play. And if they're there on one of those wonderful nights, they'll be able to meet you and say, Hey, I saw you on Wanda Spicks live. Like I heard you on the podcast, like, Oh my God, can I have your autograph? you know like you are the director you know you have a vision and 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 when you do a play even if you know I have the published version of it wherever you go the version that you see the piece you see at the Aurora directed by Don Monique Williams is unique you're not going to see this anywhere else this is your take on it and all the creative team they're not traveling with the book yeah (laughs) they're not traveling with the script so hey the flavor that Oaktown is bringing to this is Oaktown. Yes. So you got to do it here because you live here. You yes. will be able to resonate. Yes. Thank you, Wanda. <laughs> you're, you're quite welcome. So again, ah, so I'm not going to tell you to break anything. I'm just have a lot of fun. Thank you. <laughs> you take good care. Thanks again. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Peace and blessings. <laughs>